I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the deoxification of the Let me put it to if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the phone. It is time to destroy I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast. Now, this week... I happen to be touring around South Wales and it's been, uh, well, it's been a sort of improvised way of doing the podcast. I'm currently in a hotel room in very beautiful Abergavenny, which is uh, very lovely, but it's not always the easiest place from which to do a podcast. Nonetheless, I still am able, in fact, it is essential that I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? These striking junior doctors say they aren't paid enough, but some of them earn £8,000 for a single shift because they're paid £20 an hour. And often they have to work 400 hours without a break. So they're raking it in, but still they complain. Now, the government says there are many professions where people are paid even less, and this is true. And these people would gladly do the job of a junior doctor for a lower wage than what they get So, as a patient was being wheeled into surgery, they'd be told in a soothing voice, Ah, now, everything's in order. You're going to be just fine. (laughs) Uh, Now you're going to be operated on by Nathan, who will remove your gallstones. He hasn't done all the exams, but he is highly qualified. And the subject that he's highly qualified at is selling curtains at home base. But uh, don't be alarmed. A kidney is much like a curtain. I mean, it could even give your internal organs an extra six inches of width so they have a lovely pleating effect when you draw them together. (laughs) This will happen if the strikes continue. The Minister of Health will announce that no operations will be cancelled. They'll just be moved to a breaker's yard instead. So your prostate examination will be carried out by Fat Derek, who has crushed over 2,000 Vauxhall courses in 30 years. So he has very delicate fingers. The British Medical Association have made an advert illustrating how a doctor that carries out a 60-minute procedure to remove an appendix earns between £14 and £28 for the whole operation. Now, if you were to call an emergency plumber or an emergency electrician, they would delight in telling you, uh, right, this is going to cost you £240 an hour, plus £150 call-out charge, plus £4 for any word that they say while they're with you, plus £35 crouching charge if they have to bend down at any point, plus VAT, plus finish VAT, as the company is registered in Helsinki. But a burst appendix isn't an emergency, is it? Like a leaking radiator. So a doctor can't expect to be paid anywhere near as much as that. What the doctors are asking for is a wage increase of 35%, which would restore the living standards that they had 10 years ago since when their living standards have been cut. And the government has deplored this as a ridiculous claim as nobody gets a wage rise of 35%. And that's fair, because if you've lost a sum of money, it's ridiculous to ask for all of it back. If you catch a burglar as he's leaving your house, you don't ask for everything back. That would be ridiculous. The correct way to behave would be to ask the burglar if he could hand over maybe a radio and an old clock, maybe spread over a two-year deal. And then we should understand that these are difficult times for the burglar because he's had to take tough decisions. 
And this is how we could solve all of the problems of prices going up. Instead of whining for higher wages to keep up with inflation, we should just announce at the checkout at Morrison's, your demand for a 10% increase for bread and crisps and sausages is outrageous and awful and despicable. Now, I am willing to offer a 2% increase in exchange for some of you taking early redundancy, and then would refuse to listen to their answer and walk out with all the shopping. It's right that doctors should be the sort of people who are struggling, while the people who receive the highest wages are those who work tirelessly in jobs where their only aim in life is to see the little twinkle that they've brought to a young child's eye. Jobs like hedge fund investor or shareholders in an arms company. And if medical staff insist on having the same standard of living that they enjoyed in 2013, then they should follow the example of their ex-boss, Matt Hancock. He didn't cause disruption by taking four days off work except for emergency cover. He took seven weeks off work with no emergency cover to go to Australia for I'm a Celebrity, so they should learn to behave responsibly like him. And then every junior doctor should get themselves booked for a reality show. Love Island could feature them sat in a pool crying, I can't believe Carl, right? He said he loved the way I wore my mask, right? And loved the way I held a scalpel and everything. Now he's gone off with Tasmania. Stay strong, babe. Stay strong. Or they could all sign up for a series of MasterChef for junior doctors in which they all complete an operation of their choice while Greg Wallace looks over them muttering, Oh, that synovial fluid around the cartilage looks a bit soggy. Come on, you've got 12 minutes. Instead of moaning, they just have to use their imagination. As you know, we love to get all sorts of contrasting opinions on this podcast. And so now, once again, we are privileged to have with us the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right with us, we've got Alan Penbury. He's speaking to us from the M20 in Kent. He says he's been stuck there for two days with his wife and two young children. How are you feeling, Alan? Oh, it's been torture, Mike. Absolute misery. I've just had to take my three-year-old into the bushes for the toilet. He burst into tears because he thought we'd be living here forever now. I thought he'd never see his friends or his grandma again. Wasn't it a bit irresponsible, taking young children on a journey like that? Sorry? We, we had no idea we'd be stuck in a queue. No, but you knew you were going to Europe. What were you thinking, taking young children to a place like that? We were going for a break at Easter. What's wrong with Suffolk? There are no queues there. We, we booked a weekend break in Normandy and now I haven't slept for two days. Well, you should have gone to Frinton. Don't you think you're getting your comeuppance for being a traitor? Mike, this has been the most awful experience of our lives. Our baby daughter has been sick all night in the car. You didn't have a holiday booked, did you, Alan? Yeah, I told you, we booked a break in Normandy. You've gone down here on purpose with all the others to make Brexit look bad. What are you talking about? You've trained that child to hate Brexit. You know why your baby was crying? Because she didn't want to go to France. You're lucky the social workers don't take her off you. Please stop this, Mike. I can't cope. <laughs> it's your own fault. If I want a weekend break, I always go to Suffolk, Southwold, Great Yarmouth, Acapulco. Acapulco isn't in Suffolk? Yes, it is. See you, Alan. 
That's enough of that idiot. No wonder I didn't get an invite to the coronation. Here's Lee Anderson with Bird Noise of the Day. What the fuck is going on? Now, as anybody knows who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you need the voice of the people who were recently youth. Therefore, I have with me now, digitally, online, Mr. Elliot Still. 26 years and what? I'm not really the youth. No, I know. I did make that point. But you recently I saw, were. I know. I saw a young comedian last night, a younger comedian than me on. It was 23. Oh. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Is it all finished? Uh, yeah, he was really good. His name was Finlay Christie, actually. He was very, very funny. He was oh. really good. Oh, my God. So, You're not supposed to be good at 23. You're supposed to be just sort of stumbling through things and doing not acting things properly. And I know. It was sickening. He was, do you know what was really funny? He like comes from money and he just owns it on stage. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, 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 but it was really funny. He had this really funny joke where he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, no, I do have rich parents, so it doesn't matter how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Oh, well, I suppose it stops him from joining the board of an arms dealing company. Uh, the, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? When they're quite, that's quite tricky, isn't it? When you meet people from backgrounds like that and they're really pleasant and good. Good. And he was, yeah, he was really good. Like, really, really good. I remember in the sort of mid 80s finding it very odd that suddenly you would get snooker players from well off backgrounds and thinking, well, that shouldn't you have some points deducted for that? Like, the whole point of snooker is that you're like Terry Griffiths, who was a postman, or Dennis Taylor was from a really poor sort of Catholic area in Northern Ireland, or people like that. Jimmy White was from Tootin and never went to school. Higgins was from East Belfast. That was the whole point of it. And then suddenly there were, like, people from really posh backgrounds playing snooker. And uh, and then a bit by bit it started happening to stand-up comedy as well. I think if you're from a, I think you should be means tested in snooker. If your if your parents earn over a hundred grand a year each, you should start with twenty three points, miss minus twenty three. Well, there's <laughs> like tax. Well, you're going to a higher rate, higher band. Well, you know, it'd be a bit rich of me to start slagging off people whose parents have got them stuff as I do. Is that the weekly podcast with his dad but that's not I, quite the same is it as jack whitehall whose dad owns africa or something yeah who's, you know <laughs> you know i like jack whitehall paid, paid I'm, for his I'm, paid, yeah. paid for his first fringe with blood diamonds it was, <laughs> do you reckon do you reckon one of jack whitehall's part of their family has ever owned slaves <laughs> they probably still do <laughs> do you reckon that the White Horse ever owned pro- slaves? Yeah, they must have done. There's probably a there's probably a town in Missouri called Whitehall. <laughs> <laughs> where's where are they still allowed to? They've sort of managed to and there's nothing Joe Biden can do about it. He's looked into it, but no, still, that's one bit of America where they're still allowed to own slaves. Yeah, yeah the Whitehawks, they still own slaves. Imagine if they came out of the Jack family. Still, still slaves. own slaves. And in fact, one of them is really funny and he goes out to the plantation and gets jokes off him. <laughs> <laughs> What? There's a lot. 
<laughs> Jack starts doing routines about, oh, you know what it's like when you're picking cotton midday. Not of magnolia material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't mind it when people are like, what I what I don't like in stand up. For, for certain things is like, all right for example i was talking with just about people last night and see what you think about it i hate when and you know this annoys me more than anything when things try to make themselves to be virtuous or liberal or left-wing because that's you know a selling point right so for example the edinburgh fringe if your show is basic if you called your show fuck the tories eat the tories and things like that and <laughs> Tory children should have Tory children should have acid thrown on them. But what if you called your, if you called your show that, right? Tory children should have acid thrown on them. Yeah, that, that and, and you called that 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 was the show, right? Everyone would be like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Yeah, but I you're don't like, think they would. I don't think, I, we're going to see Tory children should have acid thrown on them. <laughs> You think that, that'd sell a lot of tickets? I, <laughs> I might go. I would go. It. You would go, wouldn't you? Right. But, okay. But here's my point: if you have a thing during the during the festival where you 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 just like cunt off the ch- t- the Tories, yeah, that's fine. But Edinburgh's like the absolute epitome of conservative politics. It is it is everything that conservatism is for. The festival, you mean? The festival, yes. Mm. Not the city, the festival. Yeah. And it's this thing where it depends how much money you're able to spend on a show. It's paid to do it. And it that and it helps, you know, if you're connected. It helps with all of these things. It is the it is one of, if you actually break it down, one of the most biggest economically right-wing things that we probably have in this country. Because it's a bunch of people pretending to be liberal while actually using right-wing economic systems to benefit themselves. Well, I don't think that the, the performers are no, that's not on the performer's fault. That's not on the performer's fault. But that is the... You haven't got much choice, have you? You've got to, you've got to, have, you've got to stay somewhere and then you've got to pay the rents that they charge. You know, not much else you can do about that. Yeah, and then, and then the Fringe Society spends £7 million on a new building. Yeah, no, they do. Stop pretending to be a liberal arts festival when you're not. Like it's not, it's not. I don't think not, it does pretend to be a liberal arts festival. It I think it says, does pretend to be a liberal arts festival. Does it? What, what, with, what kind of arts festival does it pretend to be? One of those fascist ones. Well, that you can be. There are other types of arts festivals that are neither liberal nor fascist. There are all sorts of things you can be that aren't there is liberal. Every arts festival is fascist. Liberal. I can give you a number of cultural sort of um, events that are neither of those things. The fireworks night at Streatham Common is neither liberal nor but that fascist. But it's not an arts I think festival, that- is it? It's not an <laughs> arts festival. Hold on. Fireworks night, you're celebrating the death and the torture of a gunpowder plot. Right? That is fascist. That is slightly on the side of right wing. No, it isn't. He was, uh, um, Robert Casey and the firework people were wanted to restore Catholicism to be the dominant religion in Britain, which at the time was like wanting to, to make the Pentagon take over the Vatican. I, make the Vatican. I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought they just wanted to blow up Parliament. What you think? Because they were, they were. It was part of an Edinburgh festival show called Throw 
drops acid in a Tory child's face. They were. <laughs> That's such a boring thing in this country, isn't it? The Catholic Protestant thing. What a boring. Well, we fought a civil war over it, but it wasn't just over whether you should, you know, wear a condom and bloody believe in that a wafer was the Jesus's fucking body and all that. It wasn't just that. It was all to do with a different way of looking at the world, you know, because the Protestant, the Protestant religion believed you could have an individual relationship with God rather than go through the priest. So it was, it favoured a sort of new way of looking at the world, whether it was through your your own individual pursuits that you could rise up be a higher ranking person rather than just fulfill the one that was allotted by God. Oh, I'm going to to be on the Protestant side then. That sounds a lot better. (laughs) Okay. Their program for government in 16, in the 1650s was more, would be radical now. Was this Oliver Cromwell? No, Cromwell, no, they were too radical. They were too radical for Cromwell. So Cromwell put them, put them down. Oh, he he was, he was a Puritan, wasn't he? Yes, he was a Puritan, but they were they were sort of all Puritans, really, in a way. But the but some of them went a lot further. So Oliver Cromwell wanted to put the levellers down, did put them down. I mean, they were never strong enough to sort of take over the country. But they had all these. They they put forward this program of elections every two years, and you could withdraw uh, members of Parliament if they if you didn't like them. Be way be way more radical than now, and that. Um, yeah, and of course it was believed that if once everybody was allowed to vote, which Cromwell didn't support, because they would, well, Cromwell's people said, but if you give everybody the right to vote, then people with no property will simply vote to take the property off the people who have the property. Little did they know that it's not as fucking simple as that. Oh, no, it's incredible. Thank God we got, thank, thank God we got Keir Starmer bleeding through. <laughs> Oh, this guy's a revolutionary, the way he kind of comes out and goes, yeah, the Conservatives are bad, although I agree that we shouldn't pay people an actual wage. And what an inspiring human being he is. Oh, my God, he's the worst. It just, fuck, this fucking country's a joke. He's the least inspiring. the, The problem I think Labour have is that they they don't know what they want to be. And they they kind of they don't want to be left wing because then they're going to be seen as Corbynites. But then it seems like whenever whenever the Tories do anything, L- Labour have to run with it a bit further. So like if the Tories start going like if the Tories went, we're going to nationalise the railways. Labour would come out with some mad radical like nationalise everything plan. But the minute the Tories are like, we think we should not only stop the boats. But stop the French, and we it, <laughs> stop the waves. We should yeah, stop, yeah, the, stop the waves. Stop yeah. the waves. We want and, to uh, stop turbulent flow. We're getting rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he'd be he'd be up there. Of course, we back you up with this. I can't do it yet. Yeah. I'll get there. He, it's something from the back of the throat. It's something that he's trying to little, say yeah. something, and he can't quite bring himself to say one thing or the other and it comes out as a sort of slightly strangled, garbled piece of nonsense. Yeah, he's like too above a bit special needs. And that's <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. He's just like too above it. He's like he just he just dodged it. Thank you very thank you very much. That's where we're at as a nation. Elliot Steele. Oh, you're in Cardiff at the moment. Yeah. I'm in Abergavenny. What a world we lead. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is like when that thing. Well, I know you you tell me off for listening to it, and you're quite right. But I sometimes listen to Alistair Cameron and Rory Stewart. And Rory oh, there's Stewart. someone. There's someone who's fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> but it, but it's a bit like because Rory Stewart always. So Alistair, there's always a point where Alistair Campbell goes, and um, and, and Rory, where? So because uh, you're out in where are you at the moment? I'm in the. Uh, I'm currently in the Philippines. We've been over here work, you know, working on the the, the project. And yeah, well, I was out in Jordan on Monday, and uh, you know, I tried to get back for Wednesday for Burnley's own match, um, but and that's we're much the same, Cardiff and Abergavenny. <laughs> do they do it over the internet? <laughs> yeah, they're just like this. He's sat in a hotel room, you know, so telling like, us about. You so know, do you Nicholas sometimes? Do you, are you sometimes able to hear the ghosts of the people who died at Abu Dhabi? <laughs> detainment camp haunting him over the podcast as he can tries to, as he tries to podcast you... wash his way back into society <laughs> can if you turn the volume up Fucking very much. unbelievable how it is amazing how the british public will not forgive a lady who threw a cat in a bin but we will forgive alistair campbell who lied knowingly lied <laughs> cause one of the biggest fucking disasters that's happened in the last 150 years yeah there's so many yeah. people is so the cat all right die because of that <laughs> like so many and this comes there like and we're on patreon if you would like to sign up to the Patreon, <laughs> the fucking the fuck is going on <laughs> thank you very much elliot Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you wonderful people that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these glorious people for as little as £2 a month, follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Maybe one week, if you've been doing this other weeks, change the letter and see what you get. I don't know what the L is going on and there'll be something about Lichtenstein or llamas or if you really want to know what's going on for just four pounds a month you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus bits this week there is a a, 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 a gargantuan rant from my good self about the queues at dover and you will get discounts on live shows details of which uh, will be coming up when we're doing them no point in giving you the details before they exist uh also, you will get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to just crouch, breathing into a paper bag, waiting for it to come out on a Saturday morning. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Even though I am not incarcerated, but I find myself in a sort of small room in Abergavenny, which is a very beautiful, lovely little market town. And oh, I must tell you about Abergavenny, and I know I've mentioned it before. When I was sort of doing a live version, or trying to do a live version of the towns, uh, and each town I went to, I tried to find out as much as I could about it and do that as part of the show. And so I would buy a book about each town. And there's always a book about the town, and it's these people must have been astonished. Excellent news! Somebody has bought your book about the uh, the engine shed of Walsall was one of them. <laughs> but I bought one about the history of Abergavenny, and in the introduction, it said, and let's see if I can get the exact wording. Abergavenny is surrounded by seven hills, and many local writers have exclaimed how there is such a similarity 
between the Skirid, which is one of the hills, and the mighty Swiss Matterhorn. And the next sentence, I promise this is true, goes, and certainly from a certain vantage point, there is a great similarity between the Matterhorn and the isolated situation of the peak of the Skirid, though in height, there is a difference of 15,000 feet. I think they should have got the Nobel Prize for literature for that. But anyway, it's lovely. Lavagvini was last night, and it was uh, and it was all very delightful, as all the shows have been. Not for me to say, is it? I can't stand there when comics go, fucking hell, I'm enjoying myself so much on this tour. I've been hilarious. Well, let's ask the people who were there. No, nonetheless, there are a few announcements as ever. So, the announcements, I suppose, of the shows that I'm doing uh, around the country, this tour will go on and on and on like tours do forever. And, oh, I don't know, where are they? Come to the Fairfield Halls in Croydon on May the 26th. Uh, There's sort of, you know, the upstairs bit is all, that's probably nicer there. And also, if it gets boring, you can probably look out of a window uh, at the Whitgift Centre. Then there is the Theatre Royal in Brighton on June the 3rd, Hackney Empire on June the 8th, and Newcastle the night before the coronation. What better way to warm up for the glories, for the pageantry, for the for the fascination and the riddles of who is going to give a funny look to who, whether the person 45th in line to the throne does or doesn't shake hands with the Lord Constable of the of the of the valet equerry constable of the daffodil of the bloody canoe or something uh all of those questions the night before you can come to newcastle and uh, and i'll try to illuminate you about all of that and uh there's a there's a few others as well uh mark still something if you put me in if you put me oh i don't know you know how to find out where i am better than i do nonetheless on top of that people have been getting in touch with us in their billions on the Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanted to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. One or two of these I might have to sort of franchise out to you. Blue Mountain at MOJD on Twitter asks, what about Tory MPs removing the word conservative from their Twitter bios, as mentioned by Carol Vorderman on Twitter? And could Carol be a possible future guest? Now, first of all, on the issue... I, I didn't know they were doing that, but if they are, well, uh, all right, yeah, the shenanigans that goes on these days. But in terms of Carol, but what an extraordinary turnaround in uh, in human behaviour from Carol Vorderman. She was the woman who did very competently, did all the number things on Countdown and then was very much a sort of oh, very mainstream figure. And suddenly she's Shea Guevara. It's the most unlikely thing possible i just it's as if fiona bruce one week suddenly on antiques roadshow went so it looks as if this beautiful old musical uh, box from 1851 which certainly is really really delightful and you must be very pleased with it it turns out that it's worth over 240 pounds which is a lot more generous than the universal credit that is dished out to people who are expected to live sometimes as single parents in poverty and feed themselves and clothe themselves and have some sort of standard of living when through no fault of their own because of the government's iniquitous, filthy, despicable behaviour towards the poor, they 
They have made people suffer and then they blame people for the social uh, ramifications of all of this. Maybe if they were to hand over a Victorian musical box rather than their paltry universal credit every week, there might be a few more people who had something to live for. So stick that up your ass, you fucking Tory shithead. Uh, that was Fiona Bruce on Antiques Roadshow. It's unbelievable. Carol Carol Vorderman has become one of the great, along with Gary Neville and other people, even that's less unlikely than this. I wish she was back on Countdown now. Every week I'll have two from the top. That's uh, 25, which is the number of corrupt Tory MPs this week who have been taking money from arms companies without declaring it. And three, which is <laughs> the percentage of Conservative MPs that have the slightest sense of morality in their filthy, despicable bodies. Uh, bless you, Carol uh, Vorderman. I don't know. It's, it is astonishment. It's, uh, absolutely astonishing. Gary Barlow on Good Morning Britain. Well, with, uh, on Lorraine. Oh, Gary, it's so lovely to have you here. And oh, it's so, such a long time since I've spoken to you. And Gary, tell us about the tour. Are you going to are you going to be enjoying it, love? Are you? Tell me. Yes, I am. I am certainly going to be enjoying the, the next tour. And uh, one thing that Take That really is going to be emphasising on this tour is the way that capitalism destroys the lives of literally billions of people. And uh, for that to that end, we've written a song which is um, when the working masses in alliance with the peasants across the entire globe take the means of productions rightfully back from the filthy pigs who have unjustly taken all of the property of the world for themselves, we will take it back and we will take it back for good. Just thought that as I was going along, quite pleased with myself. Ian Robinson on uh, Patreon says, Hello, Mark. What the fuck is going on with Liz Truss? This deranged failed Prime Minister gives a speech to fellow nutcases in the USA about how she was right, everyone else was wrong, and she has got away, and she would have got away with it if it wasn't for the woke lefty economists. I'm going to have to take issue with you here, Ian Robinson. If you are asking in a, in a demeanour of total astonishment and surprise why it is that a politician in America has earned a following for talking in a way that isn't entirely rational. I think you've probably not been following the news over the last eight years. Sue Barnard on Twitter says, We saw this amazing statement on the side of our rubbish lorry on Monday. And it said, recycling 70 aerosol cans can power a Metrolink tram from Altrincham to Bury." Please, can you find out if this is true? That now, for people who don't know the sort of uh, the the you know, Manchester area, then that's quite a claim because Altrincham to Bury is uh, from one end to the other. Altrincham's the the furthest south that the trams go, I think, and the Bury is the furthest north. So that's quite a claim. It's not just going from sort of Manchester Piccadilly to Manchester Oxford Road, um, but that's the that's the least of the question. So this is the one I'm going to have to franchise out. I don't know. I mean, they can't have put that on the side. I mean, nobody puts nobody puts statement bold statements involving numbers on the side of huge 
vehicles without first checking it, do they? Surely not. On the side of a rubbish lorry, 70 aerosol cans. Are the, aeros- are the aerosol cans like 25 miles high? That does seem amazing. Just aerosol cans. Does that because they can put them on the back and the sort of, if they're all pushed at the same time, that pushes the pushes the tram forwards in a sort of unexpected twist to Newton's third law of motion? Uh, please, please, please let us know. Sue Barnard needs to know. And so does the rest of us. Paul Granger on Patreon says, Hi, Mark. A radio station I listen to, which is aimed at over 55, broadcast its listeners all-time top 200 at the weekend. And it managed not to include anything by Stevie Wonder. That's disgraceful. But it did have This Old House by Shaking Stevens in the top 20. I, I feel your pain, Paul. Oh, my God. And he says, what the fuck is going on with our generation's music taste? Oh, that's awful. And I doubt if there was anything by Skepta or Stormzy or even Lady Sovereign, who, of course, came from the very first generation of London grime. Yeah. I was at a party once. This is the sort of showbiz world I, I, I inhabit. I was at a garden party on the east end of Brighton. And I got talking to Lorraine Chase, who was very nice. <laughs> and then... Someone went, oh, good, Shaking Stevens has come with the fruit salad. And he, he arrived, but he couldn't stay. He just arrived with, uh, I bought the salad. Oh, thank you, Shaky. And he put it down and went off. I, I, I keep wondering if that was a dream, but it did happen. And maybe, maybe the reason that he had to rush off was he was going around um, electioneering for the forthcoming vote in which the top 200 songs of all time were going to be voted for and you know he just put the work in and Stevie Wonder just couldn't be bothered Pete Buss on Twitter says okay I've listened for 75 pods of complete political WTF shenanigans good word but it's taken until yesterday I guess this was on Monday you wrote this for me to ask my first what the fuck question as a Leeds fan what the fuck happened in the second half of yesterday's Leeds-Palace match? For people who don't follow football as intricately as Pete Buss or me, Palace were utterly ineptly. Someone I know is a Leeds fan, and uh, what, Palace were 1-0 down, and then the Palace goalkeeper made a series of amazing saves to stop it getting worse. And we were so bad that I actually sent him a text saying, I'll be happy to keep this down to seven. Then for for a reason that is just totally, totally beyond me, Palace started playing amazingly well and won 5-1. I don't know as any more than you do, Pete. I can only apologise. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered definitely write a review i did actually read a couple of the reviews this week and i was very very impressed with the number of people who said i'm writing this review because i can't be bothered to write a review if there is anything at all that you think i should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it please send me a message on twitter at wtf is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send if you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guest, 
Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. And the music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs> <laughs>